0: I'm Mary Edwards, and this is Notes Between Sessions, stories and conversations that explore the nuances of time, the essence of the creative process, and anything else in between. Episode 5, This Time Next Year on Dean PM. Just before the 2020 pandemic was officially announced, I was invited to perform a month-long residency at one of New York City's premier singer-songwriter listening rooms, Rockwood Music Hall, to commemorate their 15th anniversary. I felt like I'd just made it through the proverbial closing door to the energetic thrill of live performing. So much could be experienced in real time and in the same space, and I had the pleasure of doing so with one of my guest artists, Undine PM of P.M. Edition. During the after-party, Undine and I were joined by our friend Alex Meadors, where we reminisced over cocktails about our junior high school days in the cafeteria at Rocco Laurie Intermediate School 72, imagining what it might be like to climb into a time capsule and travel back to 1980, to the very place in which we came of age and where we cut our teeth on new wave, punk, R&B, and British New Romantic bands that comprised our steady cultural diet, and what was to be a good time for music. It gives me a sense of pride that the Andine I now know gives a nod to that young girl with the early musical sensibility and foresight on her latest album, Loose Cannon, a record that yields a host of catchy, thoughtful tunes, particularly one that acknowledges that we all have the propensity to revisit where we've been, and an even stronger desire to know where we will be this time next year.
1: Your microscope keeps starting to collide
0: Welcome. This album, Loose Cannon, that you had released just a wee bit ago. <laughs> and I just love the title, by the way. Oh, thank you. So tell me the origins of this album.
2: Well, okay, um, Loose Cannon is kind of a, a punny thing, mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, when you think about someone who's a Loose Cannon, it's, you know, someone who, who might be slightly unhinged, or so, you know, someone who's unfiltered, more likely. Um, and it was also kind of a loose collection of songs that I had gathered. For some reason, there's just this kind of this expectation that when one makes an album, it has to have a, an overarching concept. And, you know, that's not always the case.
0: In terms of putting it together, primarily you as the songwriter, did you do any collaborations with your bandmate?
2: Well, it was my lyrics and melody. Um, the arrangements... I'm. I'm not terribly dictative about. I give my uh, bass player Keith, who is freaking awesome, a fair amount of white earth. He gets me, and he just goes out there and, and he does it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing.
0: So I'm hearing. Um, at least it, it sounds like you're all almost on the same page, in terms and, of musical influences.
2: Uh, to a certain degree. To a certain degree. Let me. I'm gonna say that. We our influences complement each other because he's a huge Beatles and Kinks fan, huge monkeys fan. Huge, huge Monkees fan. Um, and he also um is, is really into Devo.
0: As far as Devo, you know, Devo was part of the new wave movement and Yep. Of course, that's how you and I met. Talking about music. Talking yeah. about music and it was 1981? It was either 1980 or 81. It was the the senior dad's. Right, because you. Right, now I think about it. You came into our school. This was here in New York. It was Mm -hmm. on Staten Island at IS 72, the Rocco Lori School. Oh, yes. Yes, memories. Um... His name was Rocco Lori. Oh, you remember the. Only a little- <laughs> <laughs> I think I only had to sing that once so I, I didn't I didn't retain it so yeah we had a school song I remember well first of all I remember you had this very cool dress on subtle yet very noticeable um, palette of colors and you had a great haircut and right away I said okay I'm gonna go talk to you because <laughs> that's where it always starts right and no surprise that your musical influences were stuff that I had been listening to. So XTC was a big influence, and I love Lena Lovitch.
2: I'm so glad you brought up XTC. I love XTC. Um, before I discovered them, I um, I was myself a huge Beatle fan. Mm-hmm. Um, basically cut my teeth on them. And, you know, at home, that, um, my parents are... We're young parents, so I grew up hearing a lot of the stuff that they were listening to, you know, having been barely out of their teens when they had me. See, Mom was very big on The Supremes and Marvin Gaye. She also listened to Carol King and James Taylor, but, you know, I, I was much more into the Motown stuff than my dad. He kind of was. Um, <laughs> one would, um, if you knew him, one would think that uh, I named Loose Cannon after him. But um, <laughs> he, he was—he was more the wild card, right? Mm-hmm. He was the one. Maybe that could be
0: the uh, the name of your next album, Wild Card.
2: Oh, there you go. <laughs> we'll see how we'll see what happens. Um, so he, um, uh, and of course, I also grew up listening to a lot of the. Um, well, as you mentioned, Am Gold and uh, you know early '70s funk and disco, like this. But what was played on the radio, like um, "Best of My Love," and I'm not talking about the Eagles. Oh, the
0: Emotions.
2: Um, the Emotions.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and sadly, we, we lost one of the members of the Emotions just recently. Oh. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a rough rough year. I don't want to digress, but I turn this feel. into an <laughs> ob- turn this into one giant obituary or in memoriam, mm-hmm. but you know speaking of which you know just the other day we lost within hours of each other Helen Reddy and Mac Davis yeah. um, and as you know going back to who you were listening to um i could hear because i've seen you perform a number of times and i really enjoy you have this driving rhythm um when you play and it is it it does seem to be inspired by those sort of mechanical rhythms of motown it also has the very early 80s influence of Yellow Magic Orchestra. It brings me back to that musical headspace.
2: Can I tell you something really funny? Um, it was actually, so XTC is what opened the doors wide for my taste for new wave or post-punk, yes. right? So I had heard, you know, growing up in New York, um, you have a lot of exposure to things. Blondie was on the radio. mm mm-hmm. um, and I would sit up, you know, as a, an adolescent, you know, not quite teen, uh, watching those episodes of uh, Saturday Night Live back in back in the day. Yeah. And uh, they would have a lot of cool musical guests on, like Talking Heads. They also had the specials on, and, and Devo, speaking of Devo. And I didn't get it. I did not get
0: it. And then... Was, it, was it that you didn't have, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but is it uh, that you just didn't have a taste for the music? Or you just didn't understand what the hell was going on because it was also like a radical departure from the singer-songwriters of just a few years earlier?
2: Well, yeah, and of course, you know, I cite the emotions. I'm thinking, you know, also Thelma Houston, don't Leave me this way. Mm-hmm. And, um, God, there was another one that was huge. I mean, do it. By BT Express, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I still love that stuff, and of course, I mean, geez, Stevie Wonder. But anyway, so um, yeah, so I just wasn't in that place where I was receptive, and then uh, a visit to Northwestern Ontario introduced me to XTC.
0: Yeah, that's where, I mean, that's where your grandmother lived. Yes, as yes, I recall.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Went to visit her every summer, and uh, there I was a, a newly minted teen, and they um, there was this news
0: program on because you know grandmas and grandpas love their news programs, mm-hmm. and, and their um, stories. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so uh, there was this documentary about this this new wave. It featured a bunch of act. And XTC was one of them. See, They they also featured Roxy Music and uh, the the Motors. So just basically seeing the videos for Making Plans for Nigel and Life Begins at the Hop, it was a real epiphany for me. The album from which those two songs came, um, both of which are actually Colin Moulding songs, um, the uh, the album uh, Drums and Wires was my gateway drug into XTC.
0: So going back to the Beatles for a moment, and yeah. I certainly don't want to impress my, you know, my opinion onto you. This is just what I'm feeling is, mm-hmm. was Revolver by any chance your Beatles turning point? So
2: my Beatles turning point was um, a, a, um, a collection called Beatles Rock and Roll Music. And I happened to notice that the photo that they used on the cover uh like, George Harrison kind of resembled Davy Jones. So that kind of piqued my interest, you know, mm-hmm. being a kid listening to uh, or watching The Monkees the monkeys, in, right. uh, in syndication because, you know, I, I, I can't imagine a kid who doesn't love The Monkees. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, was, um, it was a fun show to watch. I mean, it was a Saturday morning treat. Oh, yeah. It was great.
2: So I saw that. My mom actually bought that for me on my ninth birthday when I was uh, looking at the cover, I took it home and uh, devoured it. So then from there, I started actually getting, you know, real albums. When I discovered Revolver, I mean, that that is definitely one that I would call one of my favorite Beatles albums. Mm-hmm. The other one that I frequently cite is, um, is the first one will... Um, we call it Meet the Beatles here on this side of the pond. Um, They called it With the Beatles when it was, you know, released back in the U.K. But, yeah, those are the two that that stand out for me out of their catalog.
0: Andine, let's talk about the song, This Time Next Year.
2: So, um, it's one of those songs that um, is not necessarily on the – the surface what you think it is or at least it didn't start out that way um, it actually evolved out of a crappy job situation and then um, you know the, the lyrics became uh, about other things right um, on the face of it most people would would be tempted to say that it's about you know a personal relationship a romantic relationship and there's a little bit of that in there, too, but primarily it started out being about a crappy job situation. I put it down, and when it came time to record it, I, the producer asked, So, what do you want it to sound like? We mentioned the XTC influence, so that is one part, though. So it's one part, Colin Moldings, generals and majors. Mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. Pa- one part... Mystery achievement by the
0: Pretenders. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
2: <laughs> and, and one part Supremes.
0: Ooh, okay, so don't tell me.
2: Love
0: is like an is it, in yes, my heart. yes, yes. I'm like, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. And I know he's like, <laughs> love is like an itching in my heart, tearing it all. Yeah. Yep. I can hear that. Yeah, so that's what you mean by the Motown. And like I said, there is that driving. Uh, rhythm that's very, very lined up. And yeah. it's
2: interesting that you use the word driving because that was exactly what I said to the producer when I played him the tracks that I had in mind You know, when this soup was brewing. Ah, that's all right. And he said to me, so what is it about these tracks that you like? And I said, it's that driving force, mm-hmm. that driving rhythm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a determined sound to me. Uh, when I first heard the song and then I heard it again live, I thought it was about a like a platonic relationship that just couldn't cross that, like couldn't get out of the friend zone. That's what it sounded like to me. And I, I was listening, I was only plucking certain words out of it. Because I was really listening to the music as I often do. Usually after a couple of listens then it's like, okay, now I'll get into the lyric. Maybe that's that's what I heard. That's what it felt like. It felt like a determined push through something. <clears throat> Perhaps either the platonic relationship that just can't get out of the friend zone or something that's about the tenacity of trying again and trying again to the point where it becomes rote and ironic as music like that does where this kind of quirky and fun and dry delivery. Like it's almost sarcastic, you know, and uh, and that's what I got out of it.
2: Well, yeah, there is definitely a healthy dose of sarcasm in there, Mm -hmm -hmm. but it's funny that you have that interpretation of that song, because that actually is what another song on Loose Cannon was about when it was written.
0: And therein lies that. Connected tissue when we write songs, tissue? you know, because you, when you had embarked on this project, you were writing it as an album. You were writing this as uh, maybe not trying to connect all the songs, but I think we can't help ourselves. Like I said, there's this that connectivity that threads one idea into the other.
2: Yeah, I, it's funny because even though it is a quote unquote loose canon, I, I guess the parts do fit together. I wanted it to actually be a full. 12 track release but certain constraints kind of put a damper on that so i was just really happy to get the seven songs out there and the thing about about this time next year is that there are actually two versions of it um that the track this time next year was a standalone single remember i was Mm -hmm. giving it away that's
0: right you had the single Um, i had the the single single going bitter
2: end yep I was giving it away. And then, you know, I was really happy to, to have this single, this do this release event. But, I don't know, I just kind of felt like it was not entirely finished. So then when I had the opportunity to go and do this full-length, or, well, not full-length, but longer EP, um, I revisited this time next year and uh, tweaked the guitar parts a bit.
0: So and so, having having done that did yeah. you did you feel like it made it a more complete track? Do you feel that you it's, enjoyed it's the initial definitely... track more yeah, because think... it was raw you know what i mean like there's a there's always gonna be a little bit of difference in the feel when when you change up the instrumentation did Did it take something away? did it add something or was it just very much its own versions? Did you have a preference?
2: I kind of, I prefer the album version, but Mm -hmm. that's me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, everybody gets their own thing out of music. And who knows? There might be people who prefer the the single version to the album version. But for me, I felt like the album version or EP version was was the more complete one. It definitely, it it brought across more of what I was looking for.
0: You know, who did that a lot? Back in the day, Style Council, Paul Weller. Oh, God, yeah. Would, he's, he's great. He's fantastic. And as a matter of fact, he still does that uh, with his solo albums. And what he'll do is that very thing, he'll put out two different versions of something. I always take notice. And I think I know why he does it is because it does create a different mood. It does, you know, no pun intended, like, you know, my overchanging moods, just to hear uh, him in the piano is is so superb but when i was 18 or 19 and listening to the fully orchestrated version it's like wow i was hooked and then years later when i heard the stripped down version i could really Mm -hmm. appreciate it and it's like a good meal you you don't sometimes you just don't need the extra um, embellishments it's if it's good it's good if the basic ingredients are good and that's i think that way about this time next year that well thank you you know the ingredients are there. I mean, that's why when, when you played live, back in February, it's like, yeah, you didn't need anything. It was just you and the guitar, and, and it's a strong song. Looking forward, have you reached out to Andy? Oh God,
2: if Andy Partridge or Colin Molding were available to collaborate with, my God. Um... I, I think you would have to peel me off the floor first before he could get to work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Total fangirl moment. I mean, and Andy was very fortunate to, I mean, speaking of the monkeys, he was a huge monkeys fan. And he was fortunate enough to uh, write at least one song for them, um, released after poor Davy Jones passed away, uh, called you, you Bring the Summer.
0: I want everyone who is listening to this program to really sink their teeth into loose canon. It's fresh music that is so reminiscent of a time. It's not derivative, certainly. Uh, Fresh ears, fresh sounds, but leaning back. I want to thank you so much for being on today on Dean pm
2: Well, thank you so much, Mary, for having me. It really has been a privilege.
0: And it's been a pleasure. Experience more on this episode's guest on P.M. and her band P.M. Edition, including performance dates and project releases at pmedition.com. Your support for Notes Between Sessions is appreciated and helps to keep making this podcast possible. Thank you for listening and for being here. I'm Mary Edwards, and this is Notes Between Sessions.